Welcome to Salem First Assembly Podcast. May this week's message by our guest speaker be a blessing to your life and helping you to grow in your understanding of God's Word, strengthen your faith, and equip you to become all that God has created you to be. It's good to see you here. Now listen, Carol has been there how many years now? Since 2009. 2009. And so when the first time she saw me, this is the first time she saw me since she left the district, pretty much. Uh, I think there was one time after that that you were here. 2013 or 14. Yeah. And she said, Pastor, where are all your hair gone? No, she didn't, she didn't say that. <laughs> Good morning. It's a privilege to be here with you again. I was here a year ago. It was August 16th. I checked this last night. August 16th of the year 2020. And I think it might have been one of the first services when churches opened up again. Um, in my itineration process. I am um, a grateful pastor for this opportunity to be here with you. I am a missionary serving in central Mexico. And when I was here last time, I showed pictures and slides and talked about the ministry. And this morning, I just want to share briefly just an update, a little bit of an update, and then we're going to go to the Word of God um, to hear what he, he would have to say to us this morning. I am, um, someone asked me how things are going in Mexico. I've been here in the United States since March of 2020. So they have also been going through the same waves that we have, you know, relative to COVID. Um, but I thank God that in the, in the midst of the situation, in the midst of, you know, what's difficult in the world, nothing is too difficult for God. And no pandemic can stop God from moving forward. No pandemic can stop the church from moving forward unless we let it. So I thank God for the way that he's been working as I've been in touch with the pastors back home in Mexico. Um, especially I want to share with you because I believe I shared with you, and forgive me um, for not remembering what I've already shared with you, what I haven't. Um, I travel from church to church, and so, but there's a story that I share about, um, our, as I share about our churches, that not, not all of our churches have buildings, and so there are times when we have to meet in a garden patio, or we meet in the garage of a home, and I believe I shared with you about going to speak at a church, not realizing that they held their services in a cow pasture that they had recently purchased, and so I went in my skirt and my high heels, you know, because... But, and it was a cow pasture, and the cows, it was evi- there was evidence that the cows had been there before me. <laughs> but I thank God the pastor sent me some pictures a couple of months back, and there's a building going up. And I said to him, Pastor, how? When? He's like, well, during the pandemic, we've had time to build, and God has provided the resources. And so praise God that in the midst of a pandemic... As I said, God is still moving. God is still working. And I'm grateful that because of partnership with churches like yours, we're going to be able to partner with them. They still need a roof and a floor, and they need to raise the walls a little bit further. They've, they've built as far as they could go with the resources that they currently have. So praise God, we're going to be able to partner with them to help them get that roof on and get the floor poured. And thank God that... Um, for the pastors that, you know, just like churches here in the U.S., we had to learn 
for many of us, it was the first time we started doing Facebook Live or on YouTube, recording our services and showing them. And the pastors there have done that too. And I hear reports of new people coming to church, not people from other churches that are disgruntled with that church and left it and come now to this one, people from the community because we have been able to also partner with them and, and bless in the, in the way of providing groceries and ways for them to show the love of Jesus to their community. So thank God for um, his provision. Amen. He is always faithful to provide for each and every one of us. And, and you know, when I was here a year ago, things had started to open up and we didn't know what the year was going to look like. Now we know what the year looked like. We're ready for what comes, what's going to come. We don't know what the next few months are going to hold. But thank God we have, Pastor and I shared this, we were talking about this before the service, but God. Those are the two words that change everything, but God. No matter what the situation is, but God, period. And this is our hope. I love when I come in and I see these banners that talk about hope. And, you know, he is the hope. It says God gives hope. He is the hope of the nations. And that's our message. So thank you. First Assembly, for your faithful partnership with me through the years that we can share this message of hope in Mexico to people who need to know Jesus. Um, I'm not going to go down that path. People need to know Jesus here in Salem and around the world. So thank you for partnering with me. During the... Um, and thank God for what he has brought us through. Amen. Amen. During the pandemic, one of the things that caught my attention, or somebody, I don't know, I don't know who, but they brought my attention to the, the, the series, the television series called The Chosen. I don't know if any of you had opportunity to see that, but I love it because I'm someone that I, I like to imagine how people were thinking and feeling. And though it is drama, and it's written, it's not, you know, scripture per se, but as they, they portray the disciples walking with Jesus and the character on the TV program has a certain, is like, you know what? I think that's what I would have thought or felt in that situation. So even as I've watched that, it's brought me back numerous times to the book of John to just read through the book of John to see how Jesus lived and walked among the people and how he related to his disciples. And so I've read John many times, you know, even growing up in the church, a lot of our, our, our the main verses that or the center verses that we go back to as disciples of Jesus Christ, we find in, in the book of John, John 3.16 is, you know, there we find it in the book of John. But there's one particular verse that um, as I read through John, it just, during this past year, and especially this summer with some events that have taken place in my life, have just gripped my attention and gripped my heart. And we find these words in John chapter 14 and verse 1, where Jesus said to his disciples, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, Believe also in me. 
Let not your heart be troubled. Those words have become, um, for lack of a better word, almost like a, a mantra to me as I go through the day and things happen. And I t- I'm going to tell you, there are days when, you know, I have victory. I say, Carolyn, let not your heart be troubled and I have victory. There are other days when I go through a lot of grumbling and, you know, and then it's like the Holy Spirit reminds me, Carolyn, let not your heart be troubled. Like, oh. Yeah, forgive me, God. Let not your heart be troubled. Those are the words we want to look at this morning. And as we look at these words, I want to go back a little bit. We want to start at John chapter 10 to see what was going on at that time when Jesus said these words. What was going on with the disciples? What was going on in his life? And we find ourselves, um, it was... Just a short time before his crucifixion, um, weeks, maybe within, within a month's time, it was a short time span. And we want to go briefly through these chapters. I'm just going to give you a brief overview of the chapter to get us to the point that we want to get to. But I want to encourage you this afternoon when you go home this week, read John chapter 10 and through, through 14, John, John, from John 10 to 16. Read those chapters so we can see what was going on. And I'm going to ask you this morning, as we, as we hear what the disciples were facing as they followed Jesus, I want you to try to imagine yourself being there with them. And I want to ask you to kind of do this little self-test on a scale of 1 to 10. How would you respond to these situations? So in John chapter 10, starting at verse 22, we find that Jesus and his disciples had gone up to the festival of dedication in Jerusalem, and the Jews were pressing Jesus, always asking him questions, and they were pressing him, and they even came out and said, are you the Christ? Are you the Christ? And they weren't satisfied with his answers, and as you read that, you'll see the dialogue between Jesus and them. He said, are you the Christ? And in verse 30, Jesus said these words that stirred up a lot of trouble. He was already in trouble with them. But he said, I and the Father are one. And they picked up stones. To them, that was blasphemy. They wanted to stone him for those words. Jesus faced the danger of being stoned. They surrounded him. They picked up the stones and they grabbed him. But he was able to escape. And he went beyond the Jordan, it says, as you read through the chapter, he went beyond the Jordan and says that there, when, wherever, when he went to from there, that many people believed. So then we come to chapter 11. And in chapter 11, we find this story where Jesus received word that his very, very dear friend Lazarus was sick. And even though he knew that he was sick, Jesus decided for reasons that are from another, for another sermon, he decided to wait a couple of days. But then he tells his disciples, okay, we're going to go back to Bethany. Bethany was the place that they had just come from, where they had tried to stone him. And they even questioned him, are you sure you want to go back there? I mean, essentially, it was almost like a suicide mission. How's your stress level? If I was a disciple, I'd be a little anxious about that, you know? Lazarus was raised from the dead after being in the tomb for four days. It was a miracle. And the scripture tells us that many were coming to Jesus and believing in him. 
Pharisees weren't too happy about this, and now we read that they formed a plot. From that time on, there was a plot to kill Jesus. Imagine that you hear that there's a plot against your pastor, against his family. How would you respond? So there was a plot to kill Jesus. It says again that Jesus then withdrew to a region near the wilderness to be with his disciples and to keep a low profile because the word was out now. Basically, they had said, we want him. If you have any information, we want to hear from you. That's my New Jersey translation of what was happening in the scripture. So now soon Passover was soon for the Passover and everyone was looking for Jesus and word was out about this plot and we come to chapter 12 and we find that it was six days before the Passover and Jesus returns again to Bethany to visit his friends to be with his friends and this is where Mary pours the story where Mary the the sister of Martha and Lazarus she pours the expensive perfume over Jesus and this caused a man a ruckus people were not happy about this they couldn't understand this it was like a year's worth a, 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 a worth a year's wage and even one of the disciples looked at this and thought this was foolishness what's going on here well this caused a stir you know what jesus was trying to keep a low pri- profile but it was a small town you know how gossip how news kind of travels quickly through a small town you know, I don't know how it is today in small towns. I don't live in a small town. It's always been my dream to live in a small town. I don't live in a small town, but news travels fast. And people were coming. It drew a crowd. What Mary did, where he was trying to keep a low price, it drew a crowd. Now we find a plot to kill Lazarus because many people were believing. So now there's a plot against Jesus. Jesus, for whatever reason, keeps going back to the very place where they're looking for him. Now there's a plot against their friend Lazarus. As we go through the chapter, now we come into the story, the part where, you know, when we celebrate Palm Sunday, where he was entering, and now the crowd was hailing Jesus as king. He was already in trouble. Now they're hailing him as king. They're shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king of Israel. And for the disciples, because we want to focus on them right now, for the disciples, this might have seemed like, yes, this is the victory we've been waiting for. In their Jewish tradition, they were waiting for a Messiah that was going to come and free them from the oppression of the Romans. The situation that they lived, the difficulty that they lived under, that I cannot even begin to imagine what it's like to live in situations like that. As Americans, we enjoy freedom. I know we have a lot that we talk about and complain about and this and that and this and that, but we have freedom. We are free. But for the disciples, it's like, because they were always wondering, when is Jesus, you know, he's the Messiah. Okay, he's told us that he's the Messiah. When, when is he going to do this? When are we going to see this oppression that we're living under? When are we going to see it lifted? So it could have seen, seemed to them like a victory when the crowd hailed him king of Israel. But then in verse 23, Jesus starts to talk about his death. 
He starts to talk about things that they cannot understand. In verse 23, it says, Jesus replied, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. And Jesus said, now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No, it's for this reason that I have come. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it and will glorify it again. The crowd that was there and heard it said it had thundered. Others said it was an angel. So again, there was something miraculous happening. We see two things here. In verse 27, Jesus' soul was troubled, but he knew that his purpose was to glorify his father. He said, Father, glorify your name. Now we're in chapter 13. It was just before the Passover festival, and Jesus knew that the hour had come, starting at verse 3, had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. It says, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And the evening meal was in progress. Jesus was celebrating the Passover with his disciples, the, the meal. And reading through this chapter to summarize it, Jesus had broken bread with his disciples. He washed their feet, teaching them what a true servant is. He gave them a new commandment, telling them to love one another. But he also told them that one of them was going to betray him. He told Peter, who said, I will die with you. Jesus told Peter that he would deny him three times, even though Peter said, no way. And then he told them that he was going away and that they could not go with him. Could you imagine? They had given up everything to follow Jesus, and now he's saying that he's going away and they can't go with him. How's your stress level up to this point as a disciple, watching these things happen, living these tensions? And now this man that I've dedicated my life and my heart to is saying that he's going away. Are your minds spinning? My mind would have been spinning. And that's where we find ourselves now in John chapter 14, verse 1, where Jesus said to them, do not let your hearts be troubled. And in the NIV, this is the version I'm reading from, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Jesus knew what was coming, what was ahead. They didn't know. He knew what his sacrifice on the cross would mean to them and to their life. Do not let your hearts be troubled. I'd be thinking, Lord, you're asking a little bit too much from me right now. Have you ever been upset by something and someone tells you, just be calm, relax, calm down? How does that work for you? It's not usually a calming factor in my heart when someone says, Carolyn, calm down. But these words, do not let your heart be troubled. And I'm going to break this down a little bit. 
The words do not let means don't allow. And it implies that you have the authority to grant or deny permission to something or to someone. You're the one who gives consent when it comes to what is going to move your heart and control your heart. You have power over that. Do not let, don't allow, don't give permission. Your hearts, what is our heart? In the scripture, it interchanges between the word heart and soul. And the Bible uses the word heart primarily to refer to the ruling center of the whole person, the spring of all desires. The heart is seen as the seat of the will, the seat of our intellect, and our feelings. Don't, do not let your hearts, the seat of your will and your intellect and your desires, don't give permission to anything to control your will, your desires. Be troubled. Do not let your hearts be troubled. What does it mean to be troubled? I'm going to read you a list of, oh, what's the word? Synonyms. Syn- yes? Synonyms, right? Words that kind of, yeah, okay. Be troubled. What does that mean? These are the synonyms. Afraid, cowardly, distressed, agitated. Do not let your hearts be afraid, cowardly, distressed, or agitated. Anxious, bothered, concerned, confused, distraught, disturbed, frightened, irritated, pained, plagued, tormented, alarmed, anguished, annoyed, chagrined. Disquieted, shaken, terrified, provoked, upset, overwrought, uneasy, worried, stiff. Has your heart ever felt those things? Mine has. I want to ask you this morning, what are the things that are troubling your heart? What are the things that are causing you to be anxious or bothered or concerned or confused? How does our heart become troubled by them? because we give permission. What is the antidote or the remedy for a troubled heart? And this is what I want to look at this morning. How do we prevent our heart from becoming troubled? Jesus said, you believe in God, but believe also in me. You might be thinking, I believe in God, but I still get overwhelmed by life no matter how hard I try. I want to say this this morning, that believing in God is more than simply believing that he exists. There are a lot of people who say, I believe in God. But it's more than just believing that he exists. When the Bible encourages us to believe in God, it's telling us to put your trust and your hope completely in God, in Jesus, God's Son. Knowing who he is, and this is key, we need to know who Jesus is. We need to know that he is good, and he is loving, and he is merciful, and he is faithful, and he is just, no matter what. Those things do not change. Jesus is 
good, loving, merciful, faithful, and just, no matter what happens, no matter what our eyes see, no matter what our ears hear, no matter what we are experiencing, we have to know that Jesus is, I'm going to say it again, he is good all the time. He is loving all the time. He is merciful all the time. He is faithful all the time. And he is just all the time. When is he not just or not loving? Never. He is all the time. He is true to his word, keeping every promise. He is omnipotent, all-powerful. He is omniscient. He knows all things past, present, and future. There are no surprises for God. There are no surprises for God. So we can put our hope and our trust in him, in who he is, even when we don't understand why or what is going on. I can stand on the rock knowing he is good. And I can't tell you how many times there are things that happen that I do not understand why. I do not understand how it represents God's love or his goodness or his mercy. But I am convinced that he is good. He is loving. He is faithful no matter what. He is omnipresent. He is present everywhere and he's always with me. He's always with you. He's with us. And he is our faithful provider all the time. Philippians 4.19 says, and my God will meet all of your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. What need will he not meet? He'll meet every need. Philippians 4, 6 to 7 says, be anxious for nothing. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Many of you came forward this morning, presenting your needs before the Lord, receiving prayer from your pastor, from the anointed one leading this congregation, leaving that need before the Lord. But in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your heart and your minds. Do not let your heart be troubled. The peace of God will guard your hearts and minds. This phrase, guard your heart, is so important in Proverbs 4.23. It says, above all else, guard your heart. Why? Because everything you do flows out of your heart. Everything you do, everything you say, the way that you relate to one another, the decisions that you make. That's why it's so important to guard our hearts with the truth of who God is. That He's good, He's loving, He's faithful, He's just. How? Again, we want to come to this. How? When it says, be anxious for nothing, and we say, don't allow our hearts to be troubled, we ask the question, I ask the question, how? 
And there's a few things here quickly we're going to go. I know I'm reading through a lot of scriptures. I hope that you're jotting it down so you can go back and read it. The word of God is truth. With everything that I hear, everything that people say to me, I, the word of God is truth. There's a lot of crazy things going around out there. A lot of craziness that people say is truth, but it's not truth. If it's not in the word of God, if it's not based in the word of God, it's not true. Number one. Nope. I told you I was going to have a problem with this. Oh, there it is. (laughs) Sorry. I'm challenged. Number one. How do I keep my heart from being troubled? Number one, cry out to God, remembering who he is. Situations, I want to say this, situations are real. Struggles are real. Grief is real. It's not a sin or a lack of faith to feel pain and disappointment in life. But we don't want those emotions to be negatively impacting our relationships, our decisions. We don't want it to ensnare us and to become a trap for us. It's okay to feel those things, but we need to cry out to God. The psalmist said, hear my cry, O God, and attend to my prayer. Psalm 61, verse 1 through 4. Hear my cry, O God, attend to my prayer from the end of the earth. I will cry to you when my heart is overwhelmed. Has your heart ever been overwhelmed? The psalmist cried out to God. He said, God, when my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For you have been a shelter for me, a strong tower against the enemy. I will abide in your tabernacle forever, and I will trust in the shelter of your wings. When your heart is overwhelmed, cry out to God, remembering who he is. Number two, speak to your soul. Speak to your heart. You know the Bible gives us permission to talk to yourself? I don't know about you. I do that. I find myself, sometimes I just start thinking and I just start talking out loud, you know, and especially when I'm driving, I think, Well, now, thankfully, we've got telephones, right? People think you're just talking on the phone. But I don't know how to hook up my phone, so I'm talking to myself out loud. Sometimes I'm talking to the Lord, I'm praying. But the Bible gives us permission to talk to our soul. In Psalm 42, 5, the, the psalmist talked to his heart and said, Why are you downcast? Why are you so disturbed? Speaking to his soul. Why disturbed within me? And he spoke to his soul, put your hope in God. And then he declared, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. We need to speak to our mind and speak to our heart and speak to our soul. Daily I speak to my heart and my soul. Carolyn, what does God's word say? Put your hope in him. Trust in him. Guard your heart. We just spoke about the importance of guarding your heart is because everything comes out of that. But how do we guard our heart and mind and our will and emotions? Any of you here were missionettes when you were younger? You know what missionettes are? 
It was a girls program that we had many years ago in the Assemblies of God churches. I was a missionette, and this was our code of conduct. In Philippians 4.8, where, where Paul said, Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of a good report, if there's any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, Meditate on these things. Meditate on truth. I know, you know, this weekend with the hurricane coming, the news, we put the news on in the house every so often to watch. I live closer to the, to the coast up in Ocean County. You know, watching what's happening. You know, and, and the news is often on. And then for those of us who are on social media, you know, the, the news... The news on Facebook, folks, it's not true. Even if your friend said it because they read it somewhere, there's a good chance that they really don't know how true it is. No matter what side of an opinion you are on, you can always find people who are going to report exactly what you want to hear, you know? What is true? God's word is true. And his word tells us how to live, tells us where our hope is. So we need to be meditating on God and meditating on his word. How do we guard our hearts? By crying out to God, remembering who he is. By speaking to your heart and your soul to put your hope in him. By thinking on things that are true and lovely and beautiful according to God's word. How do we guard our hearts? By knowing God and the depth of his love for you and for me. Paul's prayer for the Ephesians in chapter 3, verse 17, he says, And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all of the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. No matter what is going on in my life, if I lose sight of the fact that God loves me, I'm lost. I'm desperate. My heart is troubled, distressed, anxious, confused, Know God and know the depth of his love for you. Next, be certain and secure in God's love for you. Know how deep it is, but then be certain, as in Romans 8, 38 and 39, where it says, Paul said, I am confident of this, that neither death nor life Neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Nothing can separate us from his love. Does that bring hope to you this morning? John chapter 14 Jesus knew that the disciples didn't understand the things that he was saying. 
He knew that things were going to turn out differently than what they had hoped or expected. They were waiting for a Messiah to come to free them from the oppression of the Romans. Jesus knew that things weren't going to happen the way they thought or hoped, the way that their tradition had prepared them. And it's within this context that he instructed them and urged them and his hope for them when he said, let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. And then in chapter 14, it continues as he talks about the promise of heaven. He assures them that he is the way, he is the truth, he is the life. He asks them to obey him. He promises the comfort of the Holy Spirit. How do we guard our hearts and minds? We cannot do it on our own. We need the strength of the Holy Spirit. The word of God says that his divine power has given us everything that we need for life and godliness. I cannot be like Jesus on my own. I need the Holy Spirit. And God promised, Jesus promised the Holy Spirit His concluding words, as we get to verse 27, in John chapter 14, verse 27, Jesus said to them, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. And he says again to them, do not let your hearts be troubled. It was so important for them to know this. Because shortly after Jesus was going to be arrested, they were going to watch him be crucified and put into a tomb. He said, do not let your hearts be troubled. We know that he arose, and they knew, but they had to wait. They had to go through the darkness of that night before they saw the resurrection. So Jesus says to them in verse 27, do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. And I love this. In verse 31, he says to them, come now, let's leave. And when I read those words, it, makes, it reminds me that in spite of it all, we need to keep moving forward in all that awaits us, knowing that God is with us and that he is for us. Jesus knew when he said, come on, let's go. Jesus knew what was ahead. He knows what we're going through. He's with us. He wants us to have his peace. John chapter 15 and 16, again, you can read those chapters. He talks about the importances of us. Staying close to him. He's the vine and we are the branches. In John 16.33, and I'm going to conclude with this. John 16.33, Jesus said to his disciples, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. Why? Because in this world, you will have trouble. In this world, you will have trouble. And I love this. He says, but take heart. And the picture that I see for this, take heart. If you can imagine a boat on the water and the sails, because there's no wind, 
the sales are just kind of, I'm not, you know, I don't know, I don't know the correct terms or whatever, I'm not a sailor. But just imagine the sails are just kind of limp and hanging because there's no wind. But then the wind starts to come and the sails start to fill with the wind and now the, sa- the ship starts to move forward, the boat starts to move and glide. And when I hear these words, take heart, that's the picture that I have of this boat that was just kind of there and being tossed by the winds and the waves, now in the Holy Spirit and, and, and in God's power, now, now my, my, my ship, my boat is, is moving forward, directed by God. Take heart, Jesus said, because he has overcome the world. Again, John 16, 33, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, because I have overcome the world. My brothers and sisters at First Assembly in Salem this morning, take comfort. No matter what you're going through today, whatever the situation is that you're facing, whatever the uncertainties are, take comfort And be confident, because Jesus has overcome. Let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. It's the words of Jesus. Amen. May the Lord bless you and comfort you and give you strength through his word and by his Holy Spirit every day. Amen. Pastor. You've been challenged. Don't let your hearts be troubled. How many times the enemy of our soul drains us because we allow the trouble to disturb us. The peace of God surpasses all understanding. This is the difference of knowing what God's word says and the applying God's word. So many times we lose the joy of the Lord because we allow the troubles of this world to, to clog up our mind. How many have ever been to a moment where your mind is so full of stuff that you have a hard time thinking? Raise your hand. Hmm? So many, so hard to think clear because you're bombarded on every side. And how about this? How about the what ifs? What if this happens? Yeah? How about what if this happens? But, 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 huh? And then we forget the one who says, peace, be still, rest. Thank you, Carolyn, for a challenging message of reminding us so much, that a daily reminder of walking in the peace of God. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not. Don't allow it. Whatever happens between here happens what we do here. It affects the heart. It affects everything. Can you stand to your feet? I want to just take a moment just to get this in our hearts and then we're going to take up an offering for um, for our sister. You can get ready that in a second. 
But I want to challenge you, though, and I want to challenge those watching online. Have you really been all in the mind, so worried about tomorrow that you're not focused on today? So worried about what if this happens and what if, and you live your life worried about everything, but you miss the opportunity God is trying to do with you right there. We can't be so distracted of the future when we're living the present because what we do today, what we do today is what happens in our life tomorrow. Focus on today, the Bible says, and what we have today. Not wrong of thinking about tomorrow, but don't put all your focus there because you can worry so much about what if and what if and if and buts or candy and nuts. We all have a Merry Christmas. Sometimes we can worry so much about what ifs, but we don't remember the God of our salvation holds our hand, walks with us. I don't know how old you are, but you do. Has God been faithful in those years? Has He helped you through tough times? Is he not been there already and shown you his mercy, his grace? And if he has and you have seen it, don't you think he has tomorrow already? Yes, he does. He's right with you. So walk in faith today. Take a deep breath and know the God of your salvation walks with you, talks with you, and will lead you as you always go up first. Then God will help you as you go out. Close your eyes for a second. Those online, close your eyes right where you are, wherever you're sitting, wherever you are. Just take a moment. If you're listening to this, just ask yourself a question. Do I sometimes have a habit of allowing negativity in my mind? Focus on all these things that causes peace to leave, the peace of God. And maybe you haven't accepted Jesus Christ and you don't know this peace yet. The first thing is for you to say, Father, forgive me. I've sinned against you. I want that peace. I want the person of Jesus Christ to come into my heart. And ask God to come into your heart right now, right now, right where you are. And let that peace come. For this peace is in every, whatever problem you come, he has a peace and he will see you through it. But if you allow the negativity of your thoughts, it will lead you on a road God has not paid for you. You have paved it yourself by your own thinking and just ask them to come into your heart and life. If you're a believer and you're allowing the enemy to rattle your cage in your thinking and you're all troubled and you've allowed so much stuff in your life, it's now you say no more. Say it, no more am I going to be thinking these things. My mind will be on the things of Christ. I will renew my mind by the washing of the word every day of my life. Father, I pray right now that you would touch us, not to just gain all the information all around us and get all clogged up and listen to this and listen to this and what if and about what about that. And Father, we are living by faith in you, believing you for miraculous things, that we be fearless in our faith. We can talk about Daniel in the lion's dance. We can talk about Meshach, Zach, and Abednego. We can talk about all these things, but they were vessels of God who were willing to believe God. And Lord, help us to not allow things in our mind that can hinder our walk, hinder our faith. For we have a God that says, peace, be still. We ask this in Jesus' name and all God's people with a loud voice said, Amen. Give him some praise in the house of the Lord. Can you do that? Amen. Amen. We hope you were encouraged and blessed by this week's message. 
If you would like to know more about Salem First Assembly, you may email us at salem1assembly at comcast.net. That's Salem, the number one, assembly at comcast.net. Check out our Facebook page at Salem First Assembly or go to our website at salemfirstag.org. We look forward in hearing from you. Join us again next week for another message from Pastor Brian D. Corkum.